This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I am once again your host, Tyler Metcalf. Typically, I open with a relevant monologue, but this week I wanted to keep it loose, dive right in, and have some fun. It is the holiday season, the drinks are flowing, and I thought, what better way to celebrate the season than bringing on the mogul of memes? You love to hate him. He is Tyler Rucker. Tyler, how are you? I wasn't ready for that curveball intro, so thank you very much. No, I'm I'm happy to do this. I'm like you. It's the holidays are around, so it's a good time to uh, get back with your families, and then all of a sudden watch a lot of film. So you know, pay respect to your families, but also dive into some uh, draft film that that they absolutely love when they're doing all the cooking and look over, and you know, we're we're just head in our laptops watching film Um, nothing they love or appreciate more than that Um, but (laughs) given that it is the holiday season I wanted to do something fun creative and extremely original I promise literally no one else has or is doing anything like this one of a kind idea I wanted to do a Christmas themed episode I know I'll, I'll let you absorb that and the brilliance that comes with it but Christmas is by far my favorite holiday so I wanted to incorporate it somehow uh Tyler and I bandied about a few ideas, but eventually landed on talking about quote unquote stocking stuffers. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar with the concept, stocking stuffers are fun little gifts that go in your stocking that typically aren't the main attraction, but they elevate the whole experience. So while the names at the top of the draft, like Paolo, Chet, Jabari Smith, and others always get the most love, this draft also has plenty of quote unquote stocking stuffers who will go outside the lottery, but they'll enhance the overall quality of this draft. And the the guy I wanted, wanted to start out with first is someone that you convinced me to put in the rundown, Rucker, and that is Tari Eason of LSU. So I'm, I'm really intrigued by Eason, but since you were, or since, since you pushed for him, I wanted to kind of give you the floor to start. And what, what makes you so intrigued by Tari Eason? Yeah, it's just, you know, with no ceilings, we're always trying to find these guys that are sort of circling or buzzing when it comes to draft circles. And I feel like Eason's been one of these popular names that just started to heat up a little bit. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what, you know, me and you, Ty, we talk about guys. It's like, okay, we always want to, you know, it's easy to talk about Paulo. It's easy to talk about Chet, those guys, but you also want to dive deep and kind of give the entire picture to everything. And like I said, Easton's just been a popular name as of late. Um, started watching this film. I'm intrigued, like a lot of people out there. Uh, 6'8", sophomore, moves a little bit better than you think. The more you watch him, kind of smooth, and he also has some explosiveness. So just one of those guys, you know, I've, I've talked about it on some other pods, but I feel like this is the type of the year where we're getting to that midway mark of college basketball and you start to see some movement you, you start to see some guys cement themselves as potentially being names you got to keep an eye on and Easton's been impressing with LSU this year and I think he's one of those that we got to start paying attention to moving forward maybe it's a guy that could all of a sudden you know sneak up into the end of the first round we don't know and I I think the the thing that stands out with Easton the most is or at least immediately is his athleticism and Mm -hmm. his explosiveness and how prone he is to those highlight dunks that we really see from him off the short roll off. He's a decent cutter in transition. Um, But that explosiveness and ability to really finish above the rim is really what highlights his game. And that's what catches everyone's eye. What the more I watched him, the more I fell in love with his passing, which I, I think is really different 
for his position and his ability to kind of whip these live dribble one-handed passes to cutters and make the skip pass. I was really intrigued by that. So besides his athleticism and that above the rim finishing that really immediately pops for him, is there anything else about his game that they really gets you excited about him for the rest of the season? You, you know, I kind of like this feel around the basket and, you know, I, I was watching him and I was intrigued. And then he had a couple drives where he just throws down some slams and it's just like, whoa, where did that come from? Yeah. So I, I that's definitely stuff that gets your attention when you can see this. He's got some he's quick, like he can he can get sideways in a hurry. He's got some lateral quickness. He's just silky smooth when he's trying to get places. So I think with, you know, I think he's like six to eight, two thirty. He's got some size, but he also can. He can move. He can navigate himself quickly when he when he wants to. So I'm just intrigued. I understand why, you know, a lot of draft fans, draft evaluators out there are starting to buzz about him. Um, I'm, I'm going to take – I'm going to need some time to dive deeper into his film before I start saying, oh, he's a first-round lottery guy. Like, that's, a, right. that's probably – I'm not there yet. But I just wanted to talk to you about him because I, you know, like like you said – I feel like going into this pod, we hadn't watched much of them or talked about them together. And it, it was kind mm-hmm. of interesting. I was like, yeah, let's, let's, let's see what we yeah. both think about them. So. Yeah. I, I mean, when you, you texted me, I think it was this morning or last night and it was just curveball, Tar Eason, let's do it. Yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Let, <laughs> let, let's gr- grind out some last minute film here and I, I, I'm all in and not necessarily all in on the player. Cause I, I do think there are some holes here, but it was really intriguing. And something that I'm I, I'm going to say flummoxed by is his defense. And I, I think that he has stretches of like really good fundamental on-ball footwork. And, but then he gambles a lot and it, it, it pays off that he's this pretty impressive uh, kind of defensive playmaker where he'll jump passing lanes or, you know, make that weak side block and immediately bolt out in transition where he can use that athleticism we were previously talking about. But it also seemed like he over-rotates a lot and gambles on going for seals either by jumping passing lanes or poking at the ball. Where where are you at with this defense? Do you think it's an issue concerning optimistic? Where are you at with it? I, I mean, I'm going to need to watch way more, but I understand what you're saying with kind of like the the gambling and stuff. I just kept coming around to he seems like a better athlete than I, I I keep expecting when I'm watching him. Like I keep thinking he's not going to be this shifty, this explosiveness. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's bursting out of the gate for steals. He's he's throwing down these slams. So that's something that keeps intriguing me because I don't know why, but every time I'm watching him, I'm expecting like heavy feet, slow. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. he has this gorgeous baseline drive or, you know, he's flying all over the place on the floor. I think that's just something that's so intriguing to me. Yeah. And I, I when you look at him, you do kind of ex- anticipate that lumbering kind of power forward player. Cause he, he is listed at six, eight to 15. And he's mm-hmm. kind of that stocky build that we see from these guys who are in there to do the dirty work and rebound and kind of muck things up in the paint but he doesn't really do that. It's more right. agility. It's more skill-based. It's, and well, and then explosive at rim finishing. But something I always struggle with, with these guys who are, you know, not necessarily big enough to be, you know, your traditional power forwards, but not small yes. enough to be your wings is can they shoot? And when they can't, I always struggle. And with that evaluation and probably admittedly overrate that flaw, Eason is currently shooting just under 30% from three on two and a half attempts per game. Last season, it was at 24% on 1.3 attempts per game. Where are you at with the shooting? And if it never comes along as an actual skill or a reliable weapon, how how does he fit into an NBA offense? It it seems a little strange I, I mean like i said i gotta watch more but his shot definitely seems like it's a little robotic like almost too much movement at times i'm like you i struggle if you're that power forward that's almost a little undersized for the next level and you're not consistently spacing the floor then i kind of get to a point where i'm like okay what's your role at the next level like are you just going to be this guy that 
has to get a lot of touches to make an impact. That's why he's fascinating to me, but I got to keep watching him way more closely to kind of figure out like, is this a guy that can carve out a role if the shot doesn't come around? Like, I I think he's going to need the shot to show more consistency if he's going to be a name that could potentially heat up in draft circles. Cause if he stays around where he's at right now, you know, I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but I don't even think it was that much of a leap from last year when he was at LSU. So if you're staying pretty consistent with lower, less than 30%, then I think it gets a little bit more, you know, the conversation of, okay, maybe he's like a second round sleeper that we're just intrigued with because of the physical profile, the athleticism. But like I said, there, there's some intriguing tools. I mean, he catches some passes and all of a sudden just makes a quick, you know, juke off the immediate reaction. And you're like, whoa, that was impressive for a guy that's looking like he's playing the power four position in college. So I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Ty? Do you, are you buying the shot from what you've seen so far? Or um, So I, and I'm, I'm very admittedly not a, you know, quote unquote shot doctor. And I, I don't, really understand a lot of the nuances of the mechanics unless they're really bad. And then, you know, me along with everyone else can, can see that it's not a good form. I I don't have any like glaring issues with his shooting form, which I think is encouraging, but when he misses, he really seems to miss bad where Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if it's, he just can't aim and line up the rim properly, or he's getting like too much thumb or pinky involved with his release because it's not like he's just missing short or they're rimming in and out. It's they're clanking off the side of the rim or, you know, just not, not close. And right. But when you see him release it, it's like, Oh, that's a decent jumper. And then you see the result. It's like, mm, that didn't match up at all. So th- that's kind of odd to me because I, I just admittedly, again, don't understand the absolute nuances of, shooting form but it seems like he should be better than 29 percent um but based on the way he's missing i i would be surprised if it's ever like league average or above um i shouldn't say ever because the way we see guys improve on the fringes is pretty consistent now these days so i i think if once he gets like in an nba regimen and they're able to kind of iron out what's causing those erratic misses. Um, I I think it could be a potential weapon as just like a spot up or even pick and pop type guy, because he he is pretty solid as the role man. And he's in the 84th percentile in points per possession as the roller, only 18 possessions on the season. But that that's kind of where we see his athleticism come into play and then if he can also improve that shot and you know make his screening game a little more versatile where he's not just rolling every time but popping out and keeping the defense on their toes i think that would do absolute wonders for his offensive impact yeah i i think you're spot on with that like when i saw his early film when i was diving into it last night and this morning it's just one of those you saw the shot and it wasn't like scary you were like oh mm-hmm. it, we got a floor spacer here. And then all of a sudden you can look at his numbers and you're like, huh? And so it's just one of those nope. things where if it can come around more consistently, you know, you're saying like he gets with an NBA team, they can iron that out. Maybe he becomes a versatile type of weapon in the rotation. Maybe he becomes this guy that has a lot of tools you can develop. But I do think when we're watching him moving forward, you're going to want to see if he can become a, a more consistent weapon from outside because you love the flashes when he's getting around the basket. You love the athleticism. He definitely pops off the screen, but I'm still trying to figure out, is this a legit prospect or is this a little bit of like fool's gold where he's really fun to watch? I don't know about the next step. So it'll be interesting. Maybe he's a second round guy that some team stashes in the G league to develop his outside shot. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but He's definitely one I'm, I'm going to want to watch moving forward. And I understand why, you know, the draft community is excited about him. Yeah, the, the, there's been a lot about or a lot of clips of him being posted all all over Twitter and being talked about here and there. I, I, I do think he's exciting. I think there's a lot of potential there to at least work with that makes him really intriguing as, you know, even a late first round guy right now, even if he doesn't show that shot improvement and, Another guy who I think has really elevated and started to fall in that category is Christian Brown from Kansas, 
the yes. six 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 junior shooting guard. I, I know he's a guy that you and Nathan really, really like. Um, I've been hesitant. I've hesitantly liked him. Um, I, I'm more of an Igbaji fan, but the the jumps that Brown has taken this year as a scorer, particularly with his at rim finishing, I think has been really incredible. So I knowing how big of a fan of him you are, where where, where are you at with Christian Brown? Yeah, I've just kind of ever since he got to Kansas, he was kind of intriguing to me. And I wasn't like, I saw him immediately and I was like, Oh, this guy's getting drafted this year. I was just like, okay, this guy looks like if he puts the work in and keeps progressing, there might be a future in the NBA. And it wasn't like I was saying that's a lottery pick. I just thought that could be the type of asset NBA teams are looking for where it's just this smart player with some good size that could shoot it. Now going into this year, I wasn't expecting, you know the improvement the strides he's made like you're saying off the dribble because now he all of a sudden is playing with some more feel like he could play he's a smart basketball player before now it's the recognition the awareness to use his body to go into defenders like he understands Mm -hmm. what he can't do on the court he understands what he can do Um, I, I just think it's one of those guys really smart player off the ball understands spacing cutting um, I, I just think that's the type of guy that playoff teams would dream about. And, you know, my first big board, I know we did one at no ceilings with our consensus rankings. My first board, I didn't have him in my top 30. I, I feel like he's going to be a guy that I'm going to probably try to have in my top 30 just because I really like what he brings to the table. I, I think that's a veteran type of mentality that could just really impact your team. You know, like a Duncan Robinson was in the G league for a while and now he's getting paid and a big part of a rotation. So I just think Braun could be Brown. I, I can't ever say his <laughs> name, right? I want to, I want to say you it the other it way. So the we're saying, yeah. I, I mean, we went through it right before we hit record. I'm saying Brown. If everyone wants to tell me I'm wrong, fine. But um, no, I, I just think Brown's perfect asset for a playoff team. Um I joke and say everyone's this way, but it seems like he's a Warriors pick or a Miami Heat pick or just someone yeah. like that. That's like just throw him in the mix. We got a we got a smart player that can help in a, in a number of ways, and I think he makes his, your teammates better, not just mm-hmm. lighten it up. Like he just knows how to play within a system. And I, you mentioned his off ball movement, and I, I think he's up there with Kendall Brown and a guy we're going to talk about in a little bit, Max Christie, as some of the best off ball movers in this class. I, I just absolutely love the way he relocates. He lifts out of the corner. He back cuts. He runs off screens. He he really does it all. And then he once he gets the ball, he doesn't force it. He the the way you mentioned and talked about his feel and how much that's improved this season, I, I think shines the most when he's running off off ball and then gets the ball and not rushing the decision. And I, I think we we see that in He's not he's not a big time playmaker, but he's a much improved passer because that the game has slowed down for him mentally and he's making those better decisions. I, I, I've really enjoyed the way he kind of sets up guys under the rim with his dump off passes and has been kicking out his finishing craft at the rim, though, the, the step that that's taken. And I think it's because he looks stronger it's been such an important addition to his game because he's going into guys chest to take away their shot blocking ability. He's finishing over guys with huge dunks. You know, I, I hate to say this about the white guy, but he's sneaky athletic. Yes. Um, but that it's like at this point, it's almost like once a game where he's having this huge poster dunk on guys with regular, with regularity. What, is a little weird because as a freshman, he was this awesome shooter from outside 44%. He's down to 34% from three for back-to-back years. Now, are you concerned about the shot at all? Or do you think that's just kind of an elevation and role for him taking away from that? Yeah, I, I think I'm not too worried. I, I've seen him light it up from deep when he's rolling. It's mm-hmm. just, I think it's one of those, the roles elevated you're taking on more. Um, you know, like you're saying, the the stride. We knew what he could shoot before. Now the the fact that he's showing this off the dribble ability with 
like he's a big boy. He, I think he's around six, yeah. six, six, seven. Like he's got some size. Now he's got the frame to kind of dish out contact, not just take it. So I, I think it's it's really improving his draft stock in a hurry, just because of the strides he's taking in game in areas that were considered like game weaknesses. Now he's taking those strides. I think scouts are always going to know. Hey, this guy, this guy could shoot. I'm not mm-hmm. focusing on the bad percentage. It's just one of those situations where, you know, I, I'm not worried about about it at all because I've seen him light it up even from when he was, you know, a freshman at Kansas. And yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried about it. Um, I just really think this is a guy that probably could be end of the first round conversation seriously. And, and it's just one of those smart basketball players, like you're saying those guys that know how to play away from the ball and make the team better without having the ball in their hands, like NBA teams want those guys. Those are hot commodities, like Mm -hmm. smart basketball players that they can just plug in early, especially someone like him. Um, I'm just a big fan. His shooting struggles remind me a lot of what we saw kind of from Austin Reeves at Oklahoma after Wichita State, where he is this lights out shooter in a smaller role goes to Oklahoma is kind of morphed into their point guard, much higher role shooting numbers plummet. We see him in the NBA. It's like, Oh yeah, this guy can shoot the lights out of the ball. (laughs) I feel like we see where the similar thing with Brown will happen. And you you can see it with how defenses treat him when he gets the ball on the perimeter too, because they are running him off the line. They are adamant about you are not taking that open three. And last year he couldn't do anything when they did that this year. They added strength, they added feel, the game's slowing down for him. Now he's attacking and dishing or attacking and scoring, which I think is so important for him going forward. There is always a downside to guys. So even even though both of us are high on him, uh, you mentioned you think you will get him into your top 30. I think he's currently sitting at 30 for me right now. Um, But what are you concerned about from him going forward or what are you hoping to see him improve on for the rest of the season? I think probably just, you know, I, I, I'm one of those guys like just keep showing me, like, obviously the shooting percentage coming around is what everyone's going to want to hear, but it's one of those, I'm the same way as you, like Austin Reeves. I was like, that guy could shoot. I'm not worried about the percentage, like the role he was put into. I think just the strides that you've seen with him off the dribble now is just such a, a big yeah. boost that, you know, obviously I want to see, dive into his film defensively because you Mm -hmm. want to be like, okay, everything's great offensively. Will he be able to stick at the NBA level? And that's something you got to watch. And, you know, cause he's a big, he's a big boy. And like you said, he's sneaky athletic. Like he's a little quicker than people give him credit for When you first see him, you're like, Oh, and then you kind of watch him. You're like, okay, he's got some quickness to him. Like he can have some athletic ability. So I think just that, and this is one of those guys that, kind of might be i mean the draft's always about fit but brown just might be one of those guys that's fit dependent like they might a team might need a a rotation asset like him to come in and they need a shooter well i mean they would probably add him but if someone else is drafted for bigs or you know other upside he might get passed I, i mean i hate the upperclassmen tag because they always get punished for developing their game but he just might be one of those guys that yeah falls public to it so um, but probably just defense, just watching him take those steps forward. And if he can not be a weakness <laughs> at the NBA yeah. level, you know, if, if he can just kind of hold his own, I think that's definitely going to help his stock too. I'm right there with you where I, I don't think he's a bad defender. Mm-hmm. I love, I love the work rate on that end and off ball. He, he seems like he's making the right rotations and tags and, in the right spot. I feel like we don't really see him get just like annihilated on a back cut or ball watching and stuff like that. I I don't love his on ball defense. I I think it's mostly just a lack of kind of commitment to the fundamentals of this footwork or coming out of his stance at times, which slows him down because he, he is quicker than he appears on that end. Um, But that, that lack of kind of quality footwork, I think really tends to betray him at times. And Someone else whose defensive footwork I'm really frustrated with is Max Christie. And mm-hmm. he's been really frustrating for me because yes. when 
when you watch him shoot, it's like this dude is the best shooter in the gym. Like it's perfect shooting for him. He's at like 26% though. The, I love his off ball movement. It's, he moves similar to Brown and he just has that sense of finding those open areas and cutting and relocating for open shots. I, I think he similar to Brown, he works really hard on the defensive end off ball. He's generally in the right spot. His on ball footwork constantly betrays him. I'm rambling about, about Christie because I think he has the foundation to be a lottery guy, but based on what he's shown, I'm not sure he's proven that he's a first round guy yet. Where, where are you at with him? I'm in the same spot. It's one of my most frustrating evaluations right now because I see the exact same thing. I was so high on him from the beginning of the year. I just was like, oh, man, I'm going to fall in love with this guy. This is going to be one of my guys this year. I, I just had early early high school crush, basically, on, on Max Christie as a prospect. But it's just tough because you watch him – some of the shots aren't bad he's taking. They're just not falling. And he gets some good looks. He makes some impressive, you know, quick cuts with the ball in his hands. And I'm like, you, you, you watch him and you're like, oh, he should just be a lethal shooter. And then it's just like nothing's coming around. I was like higher on him in my first big board than probably deservedly so. I think I might have had him in my top. 17 I want to say probably towards the end of there like right out of the lottery I just what right now I don't know if he's the first he's probably gonna be in my top 30 just because I'm gonna be like doubling down but yeah he's trending towards being a guy that maybe he's got to go back another year if, if if he doesn't find a solid stretch and I don't think there's anything wrong with that um there's worse I've talked to, with Nathan earlier this week on draft deeper like there's worse places to go back than Michigan state with Tom Izzo. Like he'll be, he'll be okay. Then if anything, this year's class, we're seeing, you know, Benedict Matherin and Jay Nivey, the guys that went back and mm-hmm. skyrocketed up boards. I think Christie has that talent. It just might need more frame, more, you know, coaching defensively and development and offensively the shot looks there. It just looks like maybe if he could add some, muscle to his frame maybe that makes life easier i don't know my head's spinning too see now i'm (laughs) rambling just like you because i i love him so much as a prospect but i it's just you're getting to the point where you might have to fold your cards finally i I mean i'm I'm betting all my poker chips and might have to just fold them and live to live to bet another day but i I don't know do you still believe or do you think a stretch is coming ty or are we just fools? I, and- I, I want to. I really want to because, well, I kind of want to. As a Michigan fan, I don't want to. But as <laughs> a, a, a draft evaluator, I, I absolutely want to because I'm, he looks like a ball player. And the way he moves, the way he the, his decision-making, the way he reads the game, his shooting mechanics, it's it's beautiful. It, it looks like a guy who's like a young player who's going to be in the NBA one day. I, I I think he the going back to school for another year point is a valid one, and you know, at no ceilings, we we support guys going back, and it's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean you're a failure if you're not a one and done guy. Um, and Michigan State has a pretty good track record of getting guys yes. to the pros who go there for multiple years. Yes, so, but <laughs> when you're pegged as but when you're pegged as this shooter. And then you rank in the 42nd percentile shooting off the catch and the 28th percentile shooting off the dribble. It's tough. It's really tough. And I still have him at 20 um, because I, I think that foundation for a good ball player is there. And it's just waiting to really show itself. It feels simplistic to say, well, the shot just needs to start falling and things will turn around for him. And if the shot just starts falling, then he'll start climbing back up boards. Is it that simple? Or are there other areas of his game that he could show a little bit more value in to be like, oh, this guy's more than just a shooter. He's also blank. So I hadn't even looked at the synergy percentiles until you just said that. And mm-hmm. I, my weirdest thing about watching him was I almost was like, I feel like he needs to shoot off the dribble way more because it just looked like he's way more comfortable with like attacking the mid range and stuff. So I'm just, 
I'm just shocked that he graded out way worse because you see him, you see him with the catch and shoot three sometimes. And you're just like, okay, just put it on the ground. Like you look better attacking, just put it on the floor and go attack. So that's interesting. I'm a little just shocked by that. I don't know. I, I just, I, I really do feel like it's just the shots not coming. Um, I have to watch him way more defensively because I was just shocked with his, you know, I see his percentages offensively as a shooter and I, I would immediately was like, I need to go see what type of shots he's taking. Is he just taking horrendous shots? Is he smothered? And I was like, I got through a couple of games and I was like, those are good shots. Like, of yeah. course, everyone's going to have some that are just like heat checks or you could be like, Oh, that's a questionable shot. But for most of the part, I was like, those are fine. I'm fine with all those shots. It's just they're not falling. I don't know. I I, I mean, what are you thinking? Do you, is there a, well, another and, and level? To, to your point, I mean, Tom is always in a coach who just, tolerates bad shots right so given his minutes he's not going to be out there chucking up shots like cam thomas was last year it's he's going to play within the offense he's going to move the ball he's going to take open jumpers when he has them and he's going to attack the elbows when he can and i i think it's just really for some reason it's just not falling and the the misses we i mentioned with eason that his misses looked bad they were bad misses like kind of going all over the place i don't get that sense with christy it feels right, like right, he, right. like he, he has the right line it's just a little long it's a little short it's rimming in and out it, it just really it really feels like he's unlucky and the 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 pull-up jumper numbers really surprised me too because it feels like he, when he gets to a spot in the mid-range that that's kind of his comfort zone and it it just still isn't falling i mean he's in the 51st percentile in mid-range jumpers so that's that's better it's a little more encouraging um you mentioned earlier about him just needing to add strength i do think that will help him going forward with his core strength and that will make the outside jumper a, a little more consistent but hypothetically let's say that christie is a 36 percent shooter right now not good, not great. You're not really worried about it. It's like, eh, it's, it's okay, whatever. What else would be your selling point with him? When you're, if you were in a draft evaluation or draft room and you were pushing for this guy, what, why would you be pushing for him? What would be the selling point? I, I just like the way he plays the game. And another guy that I know you're high on Ty, he gives me Caleb Houston vibes where it's yeah. just, you know, Houston had the slow start, starting to come along. Just one of those guys that, just really a good piece around the rest of the team. And that's still why I'm high on, on Christie and why I'm still believing is just, you also see how he impacts the team and you're completely right. If Izzo, if he was just chucking up shots left and right, Izzo wouldn't be playing him. Like Izzo is going to be like, no, you're not going to do that with this team because there's still a strong team. Like there's still going to be probably a tournament team that makes some noise and, while we're doing this right now, December 21st, Christie will probably shoot 65% in the entire <laughs> tournament. And we'll be like, yes, I knew it. I nailed knew it. it. <laughs> nailed it. And it'll just start skyrocketing upwards and we'll be like a, proud fathers. But I don't know. It's just, I would be selling the fact that smart player knows how to play the game. Great tools, great quickness, scary quickness sometimes with how shifty he can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just explodes laterally. And you could just be saying nightmare year. He just had a nightmare season. The shot's way better. We saw it in the gym. It looked great. You know, it's just one of those scenarios where I could see him going back and just going nuclear if he goes back for a sophomore year. I could also see some NBA team being like, we saw him in the gym and he looked absolutely sensational. And I'm convinced he just had a bad season. And I still believe there's a stretch coming up where he's going to put up four straight games of, you know, 15 to 20 points and shooting high percentage. And we're just like, there it is because it, it, everyone was jumping the Caleb Houston train early. And I was like, I'm waiting for it to come around and it's starting to come around. I, I still think Christie could be, on that same path it's just now we're getting to the part of the year where it's like you need to start rolling a little bit but maybe it's the end of the season i don't know yeah and i i think i'm right there with you um i i hate that we agree on everything so much yeah it's um, really I'm, I'm, sure that, I'm sure that will change a little bit with your 
the love of your life who we end the podcast with. Um, <laughs> but, but I feel like with, with guys like Christy, that, that selling point of, he just has a really great feel for the game. And I know that sounds cliche. And it's like, Oh, what the hell does feel for the game mean? Like this intangible thing that you can't measure, but it's just how do they move the ball in the offense? Do are, are they a ball stopper? Do they make the extra pass? Do they keep it moving? Are they clogging the lane? Do they screw up the spacing? Are they relocating to where they need to be on defense? Are they making the right tags, switches, communicating? All that little stuff that you don't really see in the box score. And I feel like Christy is still doing that stuff, even though the shot's not falling. And which on its own right, I think is impressive because when you are this shooter, quote unquote shooter, and your shot's not falling, it can be really easy to take yourself out of the game because it's like, God damn it. Like the one thing I'm good at, the like my thing I'm not doing. And it's like, right. I lost my mojo. It's gone. Like I'm ta- like, I can't play basketball anymore, but he's still in there playing his role to, you know, not perfection because the shot isn't falling, but he's moving the ball. He's moving off ball. He's kind of defending who he's asked to defend and all that stuff, which I think is really encouraging. So to wrap up this episode, I I wanted to talk about two big men who are more traditional centers who I feel like are kind of their their archetype is going through cycles of getting phased in and out of the league. Um, Mark Williams and Christian Coloco, Mark Williams from Duke, Coloco from Arizona, and they're these really impressive rim protectors who have almost no perimeter offensive game. Um, I'm really impressed with how they move their rim protection, their vertical spacing. I love how they run the floor since I I know you're the, the president of the Christian Coloco fan club. Uh, you, you wrote a beautiful article on him recently at no ceilings. Go check it out. Sell me on Coloco because I'm not quite as high on him as you are. Yeah. I just think massive leap in development this year. Confidence is all over the place. Um, seven one two thirty, with plenty of room to fill up if he needs to, and he's way more. He's he's got a lot of lateral quickness, and I think the instincts defensively this year have really stood out. He had it before, which I was impressed when he was barely playing at Arizona. Like he had the defensive instincts to kind of understand like what's going on now you're really seeing that he's really taking strides of like understanding how to read coverages and stuff like that. And the shot blocking, the anticipation, just, I mean, he, he doesn't have the outside game yet, but I think there's potential for that. My most excited part about Coloco is I think there's levels, multiple levels that he still is waiting to unlock with his game. And I think you saw he unlocked one this year and it's a big one. I still think there's way more upside that he can reach. And it's just been that impressive with what he's doing for one of the top teams in country. He's just becoming a serious presence inside on both sides. I I mean, he's making, he's dominating defensively, but he's also making an impact with his, his effort on the boards and great hands, great feet. I know how me and you feel about that stuff. So I don't know. I'm intrigued with both of these guys. Um, And I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm not sold on Duren and I'm more intrigued with getting a guy like this later. I don't know. How how are you feeling? And and you got to tell me why you're not sold on Coloco now so that I can yell at you after the podcast (laughs) is over. Don't wait until it's over. Just yell at me on air. So I I, no, just tell me. I mean, I'm curious because I I understand anyone. It's hard to get in really pumped up about a big that just almost seems like. I mean, with the way the NBA is now, we want the bigs that could shoot. We want the guys like Bam that could potentially face up and shoot. And I'm like you. It's like this extinct type of big man that I still think definitely belongs in the NBA. It's just kind Mm -hmm. of, unfortunately you got to find a specific fit more than any position right now. Yeah. And it's just that kind of unsexy backup center role, but it's really important and really helps. Like when we see the NBA defenses that are really at the top of the league, it's because they still have that, you know, really reliable rim protector to come off the bench. And then when you add in the vertical spacing of both Williams and Coloco, then, you know, that's just another 
kind of tool in the tool belt. Um, so I, I'm higher on Williams by like 14 or 14 ish spots. So it seems like a lot, but it's kind of, like yeah, that's that, a lot. That, that's that, a lot. That and I hate you. You're, you're tacky <laughs> and I hate you. No, <laughs> but it, and it's still kind of in that cluster of like 20 guys who could either be early second or late first round guys for me. So that, and that's still super jumbled for me right now. But with Williams, I was way more impressed with his footwork. And I, I think he has some of the best big man footwork in this class, both offensively and the post. I think his post moves, and I, I know that that won't be a continuous thing for him in the NBA, but I think he has a way more reliable post-up and creative post-up game than Coloco does. Uh, I love both their vertical spacing. I think they both run the floor and transition really well. Um Something that Coloco does that I was really impressed with that I think Williams doesn't do a whole lot. I think Williams almost always looks at the lob. I've been really impressed with how good of a seal uh, Coloco gets. when Yes, he the thank you for pointing um, that out. It, it, it was something that jumped at me. Go ahead. Sorry, Ty. I didn't mean no, to. No, and he, he's just, he uses those long strides and, and he's a good athlete. He gets to the paint first and see it, creates a seal like at the free throw line, which makes the, the entry pass super easy. And sets up for you know an easy dunk for him a lot. Um, yeah. Even in the even in the half court when he posts up, he creates. Here he he's really good at sealing his guy off. Once he's in the post, I'm a little underwhelmed with his footwork. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's really a versatile finisher other than throwing down dunks. Um, but you know when he does that, it's obviously effective. But I, I think like his baby hooks with both hands need a lot of work, especially the left hand. Um, I don't think either of them are really going to be shooters ever. Um, you know, maybe they, if they can space to 15 feet, that'd be awesome. But the, the, the big thing with between Williams and Coloco was I, I I've just been really overwhelmed with how impressive Williams is, how impressive and consistent Williams's footwork has been both in the, on offense in the post and how he kind of pivots out of screens and rolls. And then on defense, I think he's shown a little bit more consistency on like kind of containing and recovering on pick and rolls by sliding his feet where I just still see Coloco crossing them a lot. Um, Right now, that's fine because he has the athleticism and length to meet guys at the rim. And he does that constantly where he's kind of ushering them to take a more curved arc to the rim. And then he pins their layup on the backboard. I just worry that if he continues really crossing his feet like that guards are just going to be able to cross back over and pull up for that 10, 15 foot mid range jumper a lot. Yeah. I think you're couldn't have said it better. I, I mean, and I'm, I know I'm a really big Coloco fan. I think that's what I'm trying to talk about when I'm saying like the upside is I think yeah. he needs, he's going to need some fine tuning with the fundamentals when it comes to exactly what we are talking about, like the feet crossing on defense, you could see the athleticism and the quickness but he's just going to need like a developmental coach to be like, okay, you got to, you can't be crossing your feet NBA. You'll get ripped up. I completely agree with the offense. Um, I think he, that's the amazing part is he's taken leaps forward and he's still raw. So I think Mm -hmm. you see the, the footwork on defense. You can see how he can move. I think he's just still trying to kind of figure out offensively what he's supposed to do. And like, he has some touch around the basket. He's got, I mean, I know he dunks everything in the world cause he's got long arms, but right. he has some touch. He has some feel like he had, he had one game where he, he did a nice pump fake, got two guys up and then went to the reverse. And I was like, that's beautiful. So you see the flashes, you see like the tools, the recognition are there. He's just going to need, like you're saying early on to be like a rotation defensive asset while he continues to grow continues to develop Williams I'm really intrigued with because I think there's a starter on a right team there yeah because it's just power the feet really jumped out at me especially the Gonzaga game yeah I mean he he had some drop like step back or drop steps excuse me I'm just all over the place right now but he had some where you're just like power quickness and it's it's not going up light. It's going up with force and attitude. And like you said, he runs the floor brilliantly. Like he's a force when he gets the ball. He showed some good hands in that game. I, I'm really intrigued with Williams. I, I just, 
I think they're both trending towards guys that I would be more excited if I was an NBA team getting them later than, you know, and I don't mean to be hating on Duran, but I'm taking Duran in the top eight. I'm, I'm, I'm probably a little bit more nervous just compared to what I've seen from Williams and Coloco this year, because Duran can definitely be a superstar. Like he has the upside and the tools already that you want, but I just need need to see some more. And I know also me and you have talked about Ty and it's probably people are like, well, the same reasons you're liking Williams and Coloco is the same reasons you're not liking Durant because, you know, we, we know what they are. They're rim protectors mm-hmm. inside who can make it presence. But I just think the motor with those two really jumps out to me, um, especially with Williams. And I think Coloco has that. It's just more defensively because he under, he's confident defensively of like, oh, I know what to do. I know where I'm supposed to be. But I don't know. I, I really like both of them. I, I don't think – I think you're spot on with your evaluation of them. Um, you obviously have Coloco too low. So, I mean, <laughs> that's the only problem. But, yeah, I, I really do like both of them. I, I think they're both going to be some really good picks, especially if they keep playing like this throughout the year. Yeah, and to – something that you mentioned when you were talking about Coloco that kind of made me hesitate was that you were really impressed with this touch. And that wasn't the first thing really impressed. I wouldn't say really impressed, encouraged, encouraged, encouraged. encouraged. So I, I I wanted to push back on that right away because then I was like, like, well, because like the, the, the play that keeps coming to mind is when he, you know, he's on the, the left block tries drop steps towards the baseline and throws up a lefty hook that clings off the top of the square and doesn't even hit the rim. And I've, that's just scarred in my mind. But then you go look at his numbers and you know, the, the free throw percentage is up from 62% last year to 77 and a half percent this year on four attempts a game. So much better percentage, more attempts. And I, I, I do think that we are seeing that improvement from him. And I think that's a really good point that, even though we're not consistently seeing that touch and with a guy like Coloco, who's always dunking everything essentially for me to just hold that one offhanded hook shot against him completely is unfair to him and doesn't really factor in his touch overall based on what he's being asked to do. The fact that the free throw percentage is jumping that high, that that's a really good percentage for someone of his kind of archetype. And then I, I would expect that to kind of translate to his right-hand baby hooks. And then with more, like we've been saying, more reps and coaching and all that kind of stuff, that should eventually, hopefully, maybe, translate to the left, which would really make his offensive game more versatile. And when I talk about you know hitting those baby hooks, it's not, all right, post him up, feed him the ball. It's, you know, all right, we're going to swing make three passes swing it around hit him on the early seal and he goes up for layup or offensive rebound he uses his go-go gadget arms and grabs it eight feet out pivots and puts it up right away so it's that stuff that i think we're slowly kind of starting to see and if we continue to see it throughout the year i I think that'll be really encouraging for how he develops as a pro the other thing that you said that really got me intrigued was the value of these guys at the end of the first early second compared to the value of Jalen Duran and the top 10. I, you know, anyone who's followed me or listened to me over the years knows I'm really hesitant to put centers in the top 10 because they have to show me that superstar potential that Evan Mobley did that, you know, even though it's just flashes that James Wiseman did, I still had him up there. With Duran, if you're taking him top 10, you have to see those as being more than just flashes because these guys like Mark Williams and Coloco are providing a lot of really, really, really good center depth late in this draft. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on because I, I just believe, you know, like what you're saying, Ty, like with the development of these guys, it feels better to take them towards the end of the first round, um, maybe as a value selection compared to taking someone like Duran that you might be rolling the dice at the end of the day when you're talking about taking them as a top 10 pick. So I don't know. I feel really great about Williams and Coloco as prospects that NBA teams are going to be intrigued by. And it's going to be fascinating to keep watching them, you know, develop and produce throughout the year. And and maybe they keep creeping up draft boards. We'll never know. 
it's going to be exciting to see. It, it really will be, especially since they're kind of these archetypes that have been slowly getting phased out of the league. But there's still so much value with those guys because they have defined skills that they're really elite at. So I, I, I cannot wait until we see how NBA teams value them. I'm sure someone will take one of them too high and we'll all be up in arms about how absurd that pick was. And then they'll go on to have a 10 year career, but never be a star and be like, Oh wait, that guy had a really damn good career. Um, I I think they both have definitely have their spots for both of them in the NBA. So, but with that, I think it's a good place to wrap up. Uh, Rucker, what's the best thing you saw in the basketball world this week? Um, Deontay Murray. He's uh, he's been on a bit of a terror for the San Antonio Spurs. I'm really excited to see you know when young point guards or young players around the league start to take that big leap. And he's almost averaging a triple double in his last five games. It's just been really awesome to kind of see. Spurs have been struggling. I, I keep wait, I kept waiting for maybe Murray to take that next step, and it looks like it's finally come around. So Deontay Murray has been the best thing I've seen all week. Absolutely love it. Loved Murray coming out of the draft. Love the progression he's shown throughout his career. Uh, Tyler, plug away. Tell the people where they can find you and what to keep an eye out for. Um, I'm at Backcourt Violation, which is Backcourt V on social media. I'm also at No Ceilings.substack.com. Absolutely free. Christmas around the corner. Get someone that doesn't know what they're talking about for basketball. A subscription to a, a really good site. Um, plugs you know i I, i'm gonna have some youtube videos our youtube channel at no ceilings tv is gonna have some exciting stuff coming soon i'm probably working on another prospect episode so be on the look for that and uh ty thanks for having me on always it's it's a great time and happy holidays to everyone love it cannot wait for that prospect video the no ceilings subscription great sneaky sneaky gift just it'll be like you're providing them with an absolutely absolutely elite subscription that costs you nothing and they won't be the wiser for it. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button for them. Once again, I am your host, Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me on Twitter at tmetcalf11 and please make sure to subscribe to that No Ceilings Substack at noceilings.substack.com where you can find all of our work. And please also follow us on Twitter at No Ceilings NBA. The Substack, like we've said, it's completely free and gets delivered directly to your inbox. There is no excuse to not subscribe. Please make sure to also check us out on YouTube. Like Rucker said, we have a lot of really cool stuff coming up. Our channel is No Ceilings TV. There are a few really fascinating breakdowns up there right now, and they're only going to get better as the season progresses. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and a five-star rating. Happy holidays, and until next time, see you.